Welcome to another episode of Disciplology. Today, Michael, we have a guy that I have known for a, a handful of years now out in LA. He pastors a church, St. Stephen Missionary Baptist Church. We are joined today by the one and only Anthony Dockery. Anthony, I would love to know a little bit about your church. You've got three words in your mission statement I want to dive a little bit deeper into. Can you walk us through those? Sure, absolutely. Uh, we've been around uh, right at 56 years. We celebrate another year uh, in January. Uh, we had a legacy pastor who was here for 37 years, Pastor McCall, uh, well-renowned in the SBC world. Uh, got us involved in the SBC world when it really wasn't popular for African-Americans to be there a long time ago. So he was a trailblazer. Uh, his whole mantra was Sunday school. He was an educator and uh, really got our church moving by being connected with Sunday school. Uh, we worked together for about three decades uh, in service. He retired um, 11 years, be 12 years here in January. And then I assumed the position of senior pastor and really just tried to keep going what was already in place. And our main mantra, like I said, the flagship of St. Stephen is our Sunday school. Uh, we've used Bible studies for life right now. We're using the gospel project. Uh, we kind of use both of those uh, for a discipleship strategy in our Sunday school. But our main heartbeat, what, what drives us in our mission statement is to be God's servants, in God's service, serving God's people, seeking to save those that are lost, discipling those that are found. Um, and that's that's what it is. People are either saved or unsaved. And so we need to lead them to Christ or we need to disciple them once they're there. And so uh, that's a big part of our mantra. Man, I love that. Uh so people might not know unless they're like Googling you right now and, and looking at the staff page, but you, uh, before you went into the ministry, you had uh, like a really long career in the military. Um, and I wonder, uh, just in, in looking at that, I think that's so, I think that's awesome and so grateful for you. Um, I also wonder if your experiences in the military have impacted the way that you see discipleship needing to happen. Um, I've, I've found oftentimes that the way that we, we look at our spiritual growth in Christ has a little bit to do with our, of course, there's broad principles that are true for everyone, but uh, I often find that they're worked out uh, on the basis of our individual personalities and our life experiences. And so I'm just curious, I mean, is, do you feel like that, that what you experienced in the military has impacted the way that you look at discipleship and how you try to disciple people at all? 100%. I mean, I, I think any of us, you know, you, you can ask that question, they're going to say life experience in general shapes our worldview. So, uh, but something as impactful as the military, and I was just, <clears throat> just came back from Africa a couple of days ago, and I was talking about uh, life experiences with them, because the uh, group that we were with, the village we were with, was a lot of hunters. Hmm. And oh, I told them to, you know, to try to connect with them. I said, I was in the military and fought in four different wars. And oh my goodness! A study on our group, our cohort, because you know it, it's not very common, right? For, to serve a 22, 23 year career and, and and go to four different conflicts in that amount of time. But of course, uh, it, it shapes you. Uh, I I really believe, and I'm hoping it's not just from a bias, but I do believe the military is very effective at getting people in, and if you would being converted, yeah, and then discipled yeah. to be uh, as a professional and at an early age. I mean, it's it's quite astonishing how they do that. Um, so much to the point where 
we've had a discipleship plan in place and, you know, we do okay with discipleship. I've known if you ask the question, how large is the church? And we run 800 in Sunday school. Uh, the church is 5,300 members. And, you know, we keep trying to push that and keep growing. But uh, I'm going to introduce a brand new discipleship strategy in 2020, January, that's actually called the Discipleship Draft. Ah, uh, I like it. Walk us through it. Yeah, it's going to model itself right after the military. No kidding. Literally. Uh, and, and also not just the military, but also so that our young people connect, you know, sports as well. You know, yeah, sure. Often then they make a team, you go to training camp. Yep. You know, whole same philosophy is exactly what they, so they'll get discipleship draft and then they'll go to believers boot camp. <laughs> From believers boot camp. We have a model here that's called get them. That's G E T E M get them. And it stands for go evangelize to every mortal. So they, they hear that as soon as they get connected, as soon as they're getting assimilated, that your responsibility is to get them as God's servant in God's service, serving God's people, seeking to save those that are lost, discipling those that are found. So that's what we push. And I'm grateful that, you know, we're almost 12 years in people finally know, yes, we are God's servants in God's service, serving God's people. That's what we're supposed uh-huh. to be. Uh, the challenge is still, you know, even though Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, you know, most people still prefer to be served. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. That's always a challenge. But yeah, that discipleship draft with the Believers Boot Camp, we're kicking it off in uh, January of this year, then next year. One of the things I love about that is that I think sometimes people think about discipleship as uh, like an intellectual pursuit, that it's educational in nature. I mean, I know that there's a component to that for sure. People need to know God's word, understand God's word and that kind of thing. But listening to you talk about it, there's such it's it's a lot more active than that with you guys. What you're trying to emphasize, especially when you I mean, you're just pounding that message of service, service, service over and over again. Uh, It's one of the reasons that that resonates with me is because it's not like those are two different things, or at least it doesn't seem to be in the way that you're articulating it, that it's not you do discipleship and you do service. It's no, this is what we do. It's all in the same. Being a disciple of Jesus is intrinsically linked to being a servant of Jesus. Yeah. Amen, sir. Yeah, 100%. You nailed it. I like the uh, the evangelism part. So we're going to yeah, go evangelize, uh-huh. but then once they're they're found, mm-hmm. that's when you start discipleship. So mm-hmm. there is a step two, and it's not just evangelize, 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 that you've got to, once they're in the fold, then you've got to be able to disciple them. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think it's important to have, regardless of, of what your, you know, what you call it and what the strategy is, overarchingly, the encouraging thing is that there is a, a process, like there is intentionality to it after somebody comes to Jesus that there's there's some roadmap that you put in in front of them as a church leader instead of people just sort of wandering aimlessly around thinking that you know I have reached my final destination at right. this singular moment of salvation uh it's emphasizing again and again you just you really started a journey and here in the church we've got the pathway that you need to walk on exactly right i mean and uh and really the what was what was uh the catalyst for this new strategy is actually because of the back end of that rather than the front end of that. The front end of that for a lot of churches, I think is strong. When I say front end, I mean, you know, there's a new convert and we have, you know, spiritual gift inventory. We have 
share Jesus without fear or something or a faith outline or something that mm-hmm. kind of gets assimilated, get some connect, you know, get in the choir. We have kind of those open door things right at the beginning. But after the member has been there three to five years, seven to 10 years, and, you know, they've assimilated to that piece, then there's this complacency that starts kicking in. There's this, so what's next? And yeah. um, so part of this disciple draft, so you have that initial piece, but then there's special forces. And special <laughs> kind of takes it to that next level. Yeah, right. And that's where we kind of miss it, where we really, we don't push people as hard. Be a, become a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader, you know, or be a director of a program or uh, be a missionary and, and commit to, you know, doing some foreign missions or some national missions or some local missions. Um, but really setting that standard from the beginning so that they can see a longer term a trek that they're on in this journey rather than starting to drift. And then they drift out of the back door, you know, in three to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's uh, I mean, I, I think that that's a really, really important principle uh, for discipleship as a whole, Anthony. It's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's really just simply knowing there is always a next step. Like there's always a next step. When you are when you're really following Jesus, I've never thought about until you you mentioned it that one of the reasons why people drift out of the back door. I mean, I've I've thought about you know people would leave the church because they get mad at the pastor or because they fall into some pattern of sin. I'm sure those things are also true. I don't know that I've ever thought about the fact that people might be might be leaving out the back door because nobody has articulated for them what the next step is for them. So they have this like a, a sense of arrival, like I've done all the things they have for me here. So why do I even need to stay? Yeah. And, and that's, that's driven by the leadership. You kind of got to know what your body is. Our church is very late, very lay leadership uh, driven. And so we really push and pride ourselves on having a small full-time staff, but a robust uh lay staff. And so when you have that, you have basically uh, people that come in and connect here are people that are driven and they, they, they want two or three hats. They want to be challenged. They want opportunities. Uh, And so, you know, when you know, that's what you have, then you've got to make sure you have things carved out, you know, for them to do. And that's, you know, that's really what I wrestle with most is trying to, you know, make sure people are challenged and have opportunities, plenty of opportunities, whether they're local, national or international that there are uh, multiple uh, engagement points yeah. because everything is different. Talk to me a little bit about these uh, special forces. Um, how are you identifying the people that should be in that? we got a lot of different entry points for that. Uh, I'll give you one right off the bat. With uh, We have a uh, strong deacon cadre here, and so we've kind of challenged our chairman of the deacons along with our youth minister to consistently identify young men that could be junior deacons. And so that pushes our youth. One, the first part that happens is the parents and that child is elated when uh, they receive a letter that they've been identified as a potential junior deacon candidate for St. Stephen Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, And that's special forces. Special forces, I tell people, special forces, just like, you know, Green Berets and you know, uh, force recon and all that, you know, you go through this or seal teams, you know, it's this next level of training and accountability and responsibility 
uh, that you have to go through. That's that's what we tell them. So to be a junior deacon, you know, there's more meetings, there's more responsibility that you do with communion and with baptism, uh, peer leadership, you know, things of that nature. So that's where. So now you're moving into the special forces of the faith, uh, what you do. So that's what we do with our with our young people. Uh, the other part of special forces, we tell people the natural progression for you in a Sunday school class is for you to become a Sunday school class leader, whether it's the care group leader, outreach leader, or the actual teacher facilitator or the secretary. Uh, you should see that's a natural progression, whether you do it in that class or eventually move to another class, that's special forces that you move on to that teaching level. If it's our clergy, then we're pushing them to the next level of, you know, what is it that you're trying to do in ministry? Uh, what have you taken on? Maybe you need to be responsible for evangelism all by yourself. Maybe it's time for you to start your own work somewhere, you know, whatever. But everything is to push that person to that next piece. Like you said, everyone should know there's a next step. That sounds super intentional. Very intentional. It's, and, you know, and it's, it's not easy to be intentional. I mean, it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of time. You know, none of this is happened overnight and I know a lot of us are looking for the quick fixes and the quick solutions but this stuff is not microwavable this is this is getting back to the old oven you know and you got to set it to 400 and let it yeah. reheat, you know <laughs> take some time she, so I'm, I'm thinking of a pithy phrase should we say she, can we say that uh should we, can we say that disciples are made in the crock pot and not the microwave <laughs> I kind of like that there may be something to that <laughs> 100 percent i mean it's 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 it goes back to that old debate as to whether leaders are born or cultivated you know uh it's no matter what it takes time you can't get i mean if if they're cultivated it takes time if they're born it still takes time they got to have maturity so yeah i think you owe anthony 10 percent of your next book you think that's yeah. you think we could write a book I called pretty, called yeah. <laughs> Crockpot <laughs> Discipleship? Maybe. Uh, okay, so here's a really basic question, Anthony. Right. So you have been using two words at several points in the conversation that a lot of church leaders would say, Man, I, I just I don't use those words anymore uh, because they're outdated and they're ineffective. Uh, and it's it's not important, but they seem like two words that are super important to you guys. And the two words are Sunday school. So clearly, that's a major part of your discipleship strategy, and it has been for decades, right? At the church, I just wonder about the name itself. Like, is there a is there a particular reason why y- you guys like? What would you say to somebody who says? I can't believe you guys still call your your uh, your your groups that you have Sunday school. That's that's like from the 1950s. What would you say to somebody who says that? Uh, ironically, I just had this conversation. Oh, you did. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on a board with a hospital, and the hospital has three different campuses, and they're we're looking at trying to change the name. And but, you know, this hospital has been a community a long time. And so, you know, they're going back and forth. Everyone's talking. And finally, I chime in and I say, hey, you know, have you guys been to church joking around? And they're like, yeah, I went a long time, you know, but got to the point of do you remember something called Sunday school? And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember Sunday school. It was for kids and this and that. I said, well, it's it's for adults as well. I said, but some places, you know, want to call them connect groups and, you know, um, 
family con- family dimension. This is all spiritual. Right, yeah. Like all these different names yeah, they want to come yeah. up with. But at the end of the day, you know what happens when they're trying to explain what the family connect group or the spiritual enrichment <laughs> are? They say, you know, the old Sunday school. Like, like oh, Sunday yeah, school. Sunday. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, you're trying to change this name of the hospital to such and such. When at the end of the day, you're just going to say, you know, the old such and such. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where we found ourselves. It's 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 not the name. It's the connection. Yeah. And if you really put it in the culture that this is what we're about every single Sunday when our pastor was here before, when someone would come down and accept Christ and you know want to join the church, everyone knew he would connect the whole congregation to a statement. He'd say, welcome to St. Stephen. Now let's sign you up. And he'd let the congregation finish the statement for Sunday school. Hmm. Today, what I say every Sunday before we leave search and go to Sunday school, they know that I'm going to say it's time for Sunday school. And then um, Sunday school is, um, well, the one quote that he used to say that was funny. And I did, Sunday school is what makes church folks Christians. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's, that still resonates here. And we still yeah. laugh about that. So what was born out of that that I made uh, that, uh, that we connect with now is I go to Sunday school and now I'm Christian cool. Okay. Okay. For people, especially this younger generation, they love that. Mm -hmm. So we have all these t-shirts. It's just a big old deal. We're Christian cool because we go to Sunday school. (laughs) So it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's not the name, it's the connection. Yeah. I see. I really, I really like that too. It's, I really like your example with a hospital too. Sometimes the most effective thing you do, I think is just say what it is. The most yep. clear thing that's there. I I do think that that may extend beyond just names of stuff. I mean, I, I think that with discipleship in general, it's possible that sometimes we try to outclever ourselves here. Mm-hmm. That that at the end of the day, really what we're trying to do mm-hmm. is we're trying to have people read their Bibles and we're trying to have people pray and we're trying to have people serve the Lord. I mean, that's that's really what we're trying to do. And and sometimes we just have the tendency to to wrap all different kinds of things around it that just sort of muddies the waters and overcomplicates exactly what it what the task is before us, you know? Well, what you hit with that is key in that, you know, if the scripture says the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few, and, you know, we know that was written thousands of years ago, uh, and Jesus said it, then it's going to probably be the case. So if that's probably going to be the case, then what's the next step for us as leaders to do? Then the next step for us, since we know the 80-20 rule is probably going to stay you know, in place, then it means we should better manage the 20%. With that being said, if you put something in place where I have to spend a whole lot of time and energy explaining what I'm trying to explain, yeah. then it's probably not the thing to do. You know, because now you're wasting energy and time and resources on trying to explain something that people already know that's in place. So I don't think a name change is what's going to give you as much footing as, you know, some type of procedural or intentional strategy change that needs to be put in place. Yeah. Intentional strategy for sure. Uh, Anthony, what are some practical things that another church that's dabbling in discipleship that they could be doing to implement discipleship into their church? Yeah, I mean, we've been saying that key word. You guys have been hitting it perfectly. It's it's intentional. Uh, and if it's the pastor that's listening, 
it's really knowing your flock and then knowing where you're headed and what you're doing, uh, what you're trying to accomplish with what you have and, and getting people connected. Uh, getting a core group around you that you can brainstorm, you know, uh, a simple thing to do. It's common. It's in the, the business world as well as the church world is a SWOT analysis. Uh, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats that are around your local assembly. And then uh, just have some brainstorming around that as to what opportunities you have to mitigate, mitigate the threats and the weaknesses that you have. And then, of course, um, uh, the strengths. You know, instead of, uh, I can't think of his name, uh, but he wrote uh, From Good to Great, Collins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, spend a lot of energy and time trying to make our weaknesses stronger, which we'd get a lot more traction if we just made our strengths stronger. That's right. And, uh, and, and just doing that, you know, really getting an assessment of where you are. I think we spend a lot of time looking out, trying to find that magic pill and, you know, just hearing what such and such. But you've got to put the work in. You've got to assess where you are and who you have what resources you have available to you, and then make the most of what you have and then let it develop from there. That's a good word. That is a good word. Thank you for joining us on Discipleology. Uh, Blessings to you and to your church. Uh, We're praying that uh, discipleship works well in your congregation. Thank you for being with us. Michael, always a pleasure. We'll see you guys next time.